when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, David. listening to just pod baby a las vegas raiders podcast brought to you by silver and black and now your host evan Grote. let's go raider nation glad to have you with me this week here on the just pod baby week nine raiders chargers preview episode as always just pod baby is brought to you by silver and black today las vegas's only independent raiders news source this week we'll go through the news and notes from the past couple of days we've got some breaking news to get to We'll also take a look at the AFC playoff picture at the halfway point in the season. The Thursday injury report is out, so I'll get you caught up with that. And we will break down the Los Angeles Chargers with our guest tonight, Gilbert Manzano, beat writer for the Orange County Register. Before we do that, though, I want to remind you that support for Just Pod Baby is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The Manscaped team spent 18 months perfecting their new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. I have one. I love it. Uh, one of the great features is that it's waterproof and it can be used in the shower. It has a great LED light on it also, which illuminates grooming areas. It's just a really great product. I highly recommend it. Please, if you are listening to me right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. If you're looking to get one, I can help save you some money by using the promo code PODBABY. Again, I can help save you 20% off plus free shipping using the promo code PODBABY. Trust me, you want to trim that junk of yours, your balls will thank you. All right, we begin tonight with breaking news. Just came down the wire uh, before I record. decided to start recording here. Field Yates on Twitter. Trent Brown is back on the COVID list after he was taken off just six days ago. Apparently, he is still experiencing some issues related to COVID, so he will not play this week, and he will miss his eighth game of the season. Trent Brown has had an interesting week here. We know that... He was given an IV before the Browns game, and uh, he had a well. They administered it wrong, and air got into his bloodstream, which can be uh, which can be a big problem. So he was taken to the hospital where he spent the night. He was released from the hospital uh, midday on Monday. He returned to the team out in Las Vegas. Did not practice at all this week, and again was placed back on the COVID list. You know what are you gonna do? This is. Uh, the guy had COVID and he's not healthy. Uh, there's not really nothing else you can say. These are the risks that are associated with playing football during a pandemic. All teams right now are having to deal with this. Uh, some more than others. There's been an uptick in the cases all throughout the league right now. You're seeing it with many, many teams um, as they just look to continue to try to plow through this season uh, as much as they possibly can. Now, I'm sure there's some fans out there that are going to continue to to pound on Trent Brown for this, and I'm not going to do that. Uh, it's it's obviously an unfortunate situation. He, you know, the thing is, he's just such a great player when he's out there on the field. But th- but that's the thing they they haven't been able to get him on the field for many different reasons. This one I feel is a little bit more out of his control. Now, I'm not exactly sure what the rules are for a player who was placed on the COVID list a second time. 
Uh, and and it's technically he he did not test positive again. I saw Vinny Bonsignor put a tweet out just a few seconds ago that this was not due to another uh, positive test. So it, it's more so that he's just experiencing some lingering side effects. So I can't tell you exactly what the timeline is for Brown and his return at this point. Hopefully we will have some answers on that here in the near future. Uh, again, I would be make sure you're you're following all your beat writers. I'm sure they'll have some good information uh, on that. Now. Going forward, without Brown, I'm assuming it will be Sam Young, who's next in line, although he's dealing with an injury himself. More on that when I go over the injury report. Uh, But if it's not Sam Young, it's going to be Brandon Parker again, and Gruden praised him for his efforts uh, last week against the Browns when he was thrown in there when when Sam Young couldn't finish the game. And he very well uh, could be called upon again this week. Not a great matchup for him with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa lining up on the edges for the Chargers. Needless to say, though, the Trent Brown saga will continue for at least another week. Um, This is how I'm going to look at it for the remainder of the season, really. Just assume, let's just assume that he will not play in any of the remaining games, okay? That's how how I'm going to look at it. And then should he be available... I'm just going to think of it as if the Raiders just made a huge trade, right, to to acquire a stud right tackle. I mean, that might sound foolish to you, but that's just my mindset right now, and that's how I'm going to view it the remainder of the season. All right, what I want to do next is I want to take a quick trip around the AFC Conference and see where the Raiders stand uh, as they are set to travel to Los Angeles on Sunday to take on uh, the Chargers. And this is going to be the first of three straight division games. So these are important games, not only from a divisional standpoint, but if the Raiders want to keep pace in the AFC West, or excuse me, AFC playoff picture, they need to continue to stack some wins together. And they have a very good opportunity to do that this week against the Chargers, who are two and five, and again next week against the Broncos, who are also uh, I think. Two and five. Now, again, taking a look at the playoff picture, the Raiders are currently the eighth seed. Okay, and and I'm just being realistic here. I don't see them winning the division at this point. You may disagree with me, and that's fine. But the Chiefs, they're seven and one, and they have a two game lead on the Raiders right now. The Raiders do hold that first head to head game, which is nice. Uh, but I don't see the Chiefs losing more than two more games. I mean, 13 and 3, 14 and 2 is probably what you're going to see from the Chiefs. Anything is possible, possible of course, but if I were you, I would start focusing my attention on the wild card spots. That's going to be the Raiders' path to the playoffs. Now, right now, uh the Ravens at 5 and 2, the Colts at 5 and 2, and the Browns at 5 and 3 hold the three wild card spots. The good news is the head-to-head with the Browns from last week. The Raiders own that tiebreaker advantage should it come down to a tiebreaker. Uh, keep in mind, the Colts and the Raiders play in the um, week 14. So if all things remain relatively the same, that will be a very important game uh, towards the end of the season. And in the case of Cleveland, uh, I took a look at their schedule. They still have some games remaining with uh, some tough teams, the Titans, the Ravens, and the Steelers. Now, the Steelers game is in Week 17, and because the Steelers are undefeated right now, and that, you know, they, they, who knows when they're going to lose a game, but that could be a meaningless game for them in Week 17. Um, so who knows how uh, inspired they're going to be playing if, if they decide to rest some key starters. Who knows? But at that point... Um, 
you know, you just never know. But but definitely some tough games for the Browns still remain on their schedule. I took a look at the Colts' schedule as well. They've got a very, very difficult schedule coming up starting this weekend with the Ravens. They also have games remaining with the Packers, the Steelers, twice versus the Titans. And then I mentioned that head-to-head game with, with Las Vegas later in the season. So they definitely have their work cut out for them. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as far as the Ravens, their schedule looks very friendly with games against the Cowboys, the Giants, the Jaguars, and the Bengals. So I don't expect to get much help uh, from the from the Ravens. Uh, there are a couple teams that are in the hunt along with the Raiders. One of those teams is the Dolphins, who seem like they're a legit contender at, at four and three. I think a lot of people have kind of slept on them, but they have been a sneaky decent team this year. Tua is now in the lineup at quarterback. Hard to tell at this point, only with with only one start under his belt, if that is an upgrade for them uh, over Fitzpatrick. But they did get the big win last week over the Rams, and I, and I expect them to to continue to remain in the mix uh, the remainder of the season. So there is a quick rundown at the the AFC playoff picture as we enter Week Nine, and I fully expect the Raiders to make it to the playoffs. The schedule looks good. They're starting to get some guys back healthy. Arnett is back at practice. Edwards looks like he's going to play this week. So, um, you know, things are looking good in that department. Richie Incognito still is not practicing, uh, hopefully very soon. And, again, we just continue to wait on Trent Brown, and hopefully he'll be back in that lineup sooner rather than later. Like I did say, though, at the top, this week is the start of three straight divisional games, starting with the road game against the Chargers this weekend. It's been a tough year for the Chargers. I personally expected them to be uh, better this year. I, I didn't expect to see them sitting at 2-5 and five right now. Uh, they've got a decent squad as far as talent's concerned, but they... As they do every year, it seems like they they suffer some injuries early in the season that really affect things for them. Derwin James, he's out for the year. He has missed the entire season with with a knee injury. They acquired Trey Turner in a trade, and he's he's only played in a handful of games. Um, Chris Harris Jr. was a prize for them in free agency. He's played in only three games. Melvin Ingram missed some games as well. Austin Eckler, he has a sprained MCL. He's He uh, is going to be out a little bit longer as well. So they they definitely have been hit by the injury bug. That's why sometimes when I when they t- when when Gruden talks about all the injuries to the Raiders, you know, it's like uh, all teams deal with these things. The Chargers are just another good example of that. They they've really been been killed by some injuries to some key guys. But but don't be fooled by this team. Yes, the record says they're two and five, and, and this is not a game to overlook. They have had some leads over some very good teams, the the Bucks, the Saints, uh, just to name two. The issue for this team has been finishing games. They have not been able to do that. But the fact that they have been competitive in those games against some really good teams, oh, the Chiefs is another one. Um, they've been in position to win some of these games. That tells me all I need to know right there. If a couple of things had gone their way, you know we could be looking at a four and three record instead of a two and five record. Um, let's look back um, for a second. I touched on a couple of those close losses. Let's let's take a closer look now. They played the Chiefs tough in Justin Herbert's first start of the season. They lost a close game, 23-20 in overtime. If you recall, uh, Patrick Mahomes led the Chiefs down the field for a, a last-second field goal at the ending of 
at the end of regulation. There was literally no time on the clock when they when they hit that field goal, and uh, you know he did lead them down the field in overtime for another field goal to win it. Uh, but but a very close game there. Um, they also held a 24-7 lead over Tampa Bay, which they eventually blew and lost the game 38-31. They lost a second overtime game to the Saints by three points. Uh, they held a 20-3 lead in that game as well, which they couldn't hold on to. And this past weekend, they lost by only one point to the Broncos, again blowing a, a, a big lead, 24-3. They let that one slip away as well. So really some close losses, and the common theme in all of them is blowing leads, uh, getting off to a good start, getting some points on the board, but not being able to maintain that lead. This team has not shown the ability to play with leads and finish games. Uh, it's been a major problem for them, but like I said, it still worries me because one of these days they're going to figure it out. You know, if, if a team puts themselves in enough situations where they can win a game, eventually they're going to figure it out and eventually they will. And I just hope uh, it's not this weekend against the Raiders because uh, it's a game that they really need to win and it's a game that they should win. Now, looking at the the Chargers, a, a big part of their success has come on offense from rookie quarterback Justin Herbert. I like this kid coming out of Oregon this past season, and I recall putting a text out there before the draft, and I know this may annoy some of you, and you may call me a hater for this, but um, and I said if Herbert falls to the Raiders with their first pick in that draft last year, I would have taken him. That's that's just the way I felt. Not necessarily to come in and start over Carr. That's not what I was getting at. I just thought that he could be a guy that you could maybe sit behind Carr for a year or two, depending on how long, uh, until he's ready and, and throw him in there. Obviously, we look at what he's doing now. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he wouldn't have uh, needed to sit. Doesn't matter. It's all water under the bridge. He's not with the Raiders. He's with the the Chargers, and and um, so. But I just thought he checked off all the boxes in college. He played at a big time program. He won on a big stage, uh, Rose Bowl. Uh, he was very good in some big moments, and certainly he's got the physical tools that you need to play the position. He's big, six six, two hundred and forty pounds. I just thought he had it all. Um, so I do think the Chargers have a good one, and he's off to a great start so far in his young career. He's averaging 303 yards passing a game, 15 touchdowns to just five interceptions. Not a bad ratio at all for a young player completing 60% of his passes, so he's he's been fairly accurate and, and precise with his, and efficient with his throws. And, and this offense can can score points, there's no doubt about it. And I, and I haven't watched all of their games. I, I would be lying to you if I told you that, but I've, I've seen them quite a bit. Um, from what I can see, scoring is not the issue with this team. They, they have one of the better wide receivers in the league, one of the more underrated wide receivers in the league in Keenan Allen, and he sees a lot of action from his quarterback. They seem to have a, a good uh, rapport going on right now, and he, he has seen double-digit targets five times this season, including 19 in Week 3 versus the Panthers, so they aren't afraid to feed him the ball, that's for sure. 75 targets on the season, that is the third most in the NFL amongst wide receivers. Whoever it is that's going to be in coverage on Allen, I'm assuming it'll be Trayvon Mullen, who's, who who sees him quite a bit. He's really going to be earning his paycheck this week against Allen, that's for sure. Hunter Hentry, he's uh, another good weapon for them with 29 receptions for 324 yards. And you can't forget about Mike Williams as well. And I know that he isn't really having the season that I think most people predicted, but he's, he has three touchdowns. You know, he's a big body guy. 
and he's he's still averaging 17.9 yards per reception. So he's a guy that can make big plays and and really you know change change the course of a game. Now on the ground, it's a it's a running back by committee uh, with Eckler out, and he'll remain out I think for a couple more weeks. Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson. Uh, are the guys who are kind of uh, picking up the slack for him. And Kelly has only, he struggled lately, uh, Joshua Kelly out of UCLA. He has only 127 yards in the last four games combined. Uh, where Jackson, he's been a little bit more successful as of late. Uh, he has more catches on the year, so he's used a little bit more uh, as the receiving back. Uh, and he has the better rushing numbers as of late. Overall, the run game isn't where the Chargers can hurt you. It's all about the passing game and, and Justin Herbert, as we as we already discussed. Uh, so that's going to be a big challenge for the Raiders this week. Definitely is. Um, uh, we'll see how how they do after the, uh, a decent performance last week against the Browns. I do still believe the the elements had a major factor for that. But if, if they allow Justin Herbert to sit back in the pocket all day, uh, he can pick you apart, and he and he will do it. So I know I sound like a broken record each week, but the pass rush needs to be better, and it needs to be a factor here if they want to try to, uh, you know, uh, ruffle the feathers of this young quarterback. I want to go over to the defense for the Chargers. This has been an issue for this team, especially uh, second half of games. They have not been able to slow teams down when they lead. It mostly is occurring in the second half of the games. Let's take a look at some of these stats for a minute. Points by quarter, points allowed by quarter. Okay, take a look. In the first quarter, the Chargers rank eighth in the league uh, in, in points allowed. In the second quarter of games, they rank ninth. So they're pretty good in the first half as far as allowing uh, points. In the third quarter, though, they've been horrendous. They rank 30th in the league, so they've been really, really bad um, in the third quarter on defense, and not much better in the fourth quarter where they rank 23rd, so they just haven't been able to figure it out right now, and the secondary has not been very good either. The injuries have been an issue, and the secondary Raider fans know very well what, what injuries in the secondary can do to your defense. Um, not having Chris Jones Jr. out there has been an issue. Casey Hayward, who's been one of the better corners in the league, he's not playing up to his Pro Bowl caliber uh, as as we have seen from him in the past. But anytime you have Joey Bosa out there and, and Melvin Ingram, you know, screaming off the edges, now you have a chance to do some good things on defense. And and you know, I touched on that that matchup with Brandon Parker. That that's going to be one you want to focus on. They do allow 26 points a game. Uh, on defense, most of them coming in the second half, as I pointed out. I watched the the Broncos and Chargers game uh, from last week. I do think, um, well, I know they had some issues giving up big plays. I know it ne- wasn't necessarily an issue that they've had all season long, but I, I did see the the Broncos have some success with big plays. Philip Lindsay had a 55-yard touchdown run. Jerry Judy had a big explosive play of 43 yards over the middle, and Deshaun Hamilton scored on a 40-yard touchdown as well. They do allow two touchdown passes per game, which ranks them 22nd in the league. So they can give up their, you know, susceptible to passing touchdowns. And I know Gruden is a run-first guy, but I'd like to see. Uh, I think this is a game where. Um, Derek Carr could could look to air it out. So I'm hoping that they'll they'll try to take advantage of some of the weaknesses on this defense. Maybe we finally see Henry Ruggs targeted more than four times. That would be great as well. But if I had to guess, I'd say this is a Darren Waller game. I think he really presents them with some matchup issues. Rookie linebacker for the Chargers, Kenneth Murray, who I who I loved coming out of the draft and 
I got to admit, I thought he was better in coverage than than what we're seeing in the NFL. He's really struggled in coverage right now. I, I thought he would be a little bit better in that area, but I was wrong about that. So I got to I got to admit that I was wrong there. And, and then safeties, uh, uh, Adderley and Jenkins. Uh, they have not been a whole lot better, both of them struggling in coverage right now with grades below 52% according to, to Pro Football Focus. So uh, that's kind of your little breakdown of the Chargers. I would expect a high-scoring game by these two teams. Vegas has a line set at 51.5. I would not be surprised at all to see that to see it go uh, above that number. All right, I want to get to my first break uh, of the night. When I come back, I'll take a quick look at the injury report. There's some key guys that have popped up on the report. Uh, I'll give you some of my thoughts, and then we'll be joined by our guest tonight, uh, Gilbert Manzano of the Orange County Register. All right, we're back. Segment two, Just Pod Baby, week nine preview, Raiders versus the Chargers. I have the injury report here in front of me. Let's start with the Chargers. Um, nothing real notable except for there are a couple guys here that I want to touch on. Joey Bosa, he's the big one. You know, he's one of their top pass rushers, one of the top pass rushers in the league, really. He is dealing with a concussion that he suffered last week. He's still on concussion protocol, and so he uh, did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. It's not looking good for him right now. That would be a big, big uh, help for the Raiders, especially if it's going to be uh, Brandon Parker, who's got to make the start, or Sam Young at right tackle. Um, the other one that I wanted to touch on, Trey Turner, he's been out most of the season with a growing injury, but he was limited both Wednesday and Thursday. So he's on track to play this week. He's a five-time Pro Bowl guard. So he'll he'll be a big boost for them along that offensive line. One of their other running backs, Tremaine Pope, uh, he's you know he's like their third running back right now. He also suffered a concussion last week. He did not pre- uh, participate on Wednesday or Thursday. So other than that, um, they look pretty good to go. There's some other guys listed, but uh, they'll they'll be they're gonna play. So uh, other than Bosa, he's the one to keep an eye on. And then you got Trey Turner, who looks like he'll be uh, he'll be good to go. Now on the Raiders side of things, there's some things popped up today that are very very alarming. Um, the first one I want to get to is Josh Jacobs. He's dealing with, he's listed on the report with a knee injury and an illness. He was, he was a full participant on Wednesday, but did not practice today on Thursday. That concerns me. I don't know what kind of illness he's dealing with. Um, but the fact that he practiced yesterday and not today, that's not a good sign. Same thing with Jonathan Abram. He's also listed with an illness. He did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. So who knows what's going on with those two. Um, I didn't see um, any of the beat writers giving us really any details about the illness. Uh, So just keep an eye on Josh Jacobs here. Another one that has me concerned is Colton Miller with an ankle. He did not participate either Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, He finished the game last week against Cleveland, so I'm not sure the severity of this injury, but the fact that he's not practicing, maybe they're just trying to take it easy with him throughout the week. But if he can't go, that's going to, that's going to put a lot of pressure on the tackles. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe Sam Young slides over to left tackle and Brandon Parker plays right tackle. I'm not sure what the, what the plan is there. Um, 
Jonathan Hankins, um, not injury-related, but he did not practice at all this week yet. Uh, Maurice Hurst with that ankle, who left the game last week, uh, not looking good for him. He didn't practice at all this week uh, This week yet either. Arden Key, who missed last week's game, he's still not participating in practice with that foot that he's continuing to, continuing to deal with. And another one that has me concerned because he did, he wasn't listed yesterday, popped up today on the report, is Trayvon Mullen with a hamstring. So he was limited. He is going to be a big factor in that game because he's going to be matched up with Keenan Allen. If he can't go, that is a major, major problem. So I do have some concerns here with the injury report. Keep an eye on the status of some of these guys. See if they practice on Friday. Uh, we we got to hope for the best here. Now I'd like to bring in uh, our guest this week. On the phone with me is Gilbert Manzano, who covers the Chargers for the Orange County Register. Now, Gilbert, I know you've been making the rounds all over Raider Nation Radio yesterday and today, and you've been doing Raider podcasts, so I I do thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time. Yeah, no problem, Evan. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I used to work in Las Vegas for the Las Vegas Review Journal. So anytime I get to be on the rounds in Las Vegas or any type of Raiders coverage, uh, I, I cover the Raiders for a little bit. Uh, it's always a blast for me. It's always kind of great to kind of reunite with people at New in Vegas and kind of just catch up with them. So uh, I'm always, uh, uh, you know, excited to jump on and talk to some Raiders. Absolutely. That's awesome to hear that. Uh, well, let's start. Uh, it's been a tough, a tough year for the Chargers uh, so far at 2-5. and five. They've, they've lost some really close games, and they've blown some big leads along the way. We'll, we'll get into more of that in, in just a second. But uh, if there is one thing that they have going for them, it's their rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert. It's early in his career, but it looks like he's going to be a, a big-time, legit NFL quarterback. And I'm not surprised by it. I really liked him coming out of Oregon. Uh, but what can you tell us about what you have seen from him, and why do you think he's been so successful early in his young career? Yeah, it's such a weird year because the Chargers have their their star quarterback, their franchise quarterback, but there's just been, you know, so much bad around there with the injuries and the blown lead. So, but besides all that, you put that aside. Justin Herbert has been outstanding, and uh, you, you know, you, you said you liked him at Oregon. I I did as well too. You know, he had all the tools, but I was just kind of concerned, maybe because I was listening to too much uh, draft talk and reading too much draft coverage and. You know, they kept saying that he struggles with, you know, reading defenses, uh, being accurate, uh, not consistent. All those things kind of got in my head. So I started thinking, you know, if the Chargers don't rush Justin Herbert, maybe he could figure that out because he has all the tools. When I watch him play, this guy is big, mobile, you know, a cannon with a right arm. So I just thought maybe they're doing the right approach by, you know, you know having Tyrod Taylor play, you know, easing ease Justin Herbert and see how it works out. Uh but it didn't work out that way. He he had a, he had a play uh, week two against the Chiefs, uh, one minute notice, and I think he just surprised everybody. It doesn't matter how high you had him. I think he's kind of exceeded expectations, and I think he surprised in many areas. Uh, one of his weaknesses was playing against uh, the blitz or pressure, and that's probably been his strongest uh, area and with his short NFL career. So it seems like every time I watch Justin Herbert. I tell one of my colleagues or reporters, hey, I want I want Herbert to do this better. Uh, I think at the start of the year was like uh, limit the turnovers, and now there's been a couple games where he didn't have a turnover. Uh, besides against Denver, I think he had two interceptions. It was kind of a step back. But there was a string there where he didn't have a turnover, and I said, how about more down-the-field shots? He was doing that too against the, you know, the Buccaneers defense, the Saints. Uh, uh, you name the point, he's, he's taking shots down the field. 
but uh, you know, going back to that Denver game, I think that's where he maybe took one step back. But even in that game, he had stretches like this guy's really good. So you know, to kind of give you a long-winded answer, I just feel like he surprised me in many areas, and it's kind of been fun to cover cover you know his career to start and just kind of see how he progresses every week. Yeah, some of the things you touched on there were, were some of the the negatives on him coming out of college. I think I think one of the other um, knocks on him that I recall was about his personality. I, I think some people didn't mm-hmm. think he had that alpha male uh, leadership quality that some teams like to see in their quarterbacks. I even heard the word introvert used when describing him. Now I know you don't have a ton of access to the players this year, and you know getting inside of that locker room with the COVID concerns and all that. But based on what you've heard from coaches and players. What is the sense that you get about uh, his leadership ability? Yeah, that's, that's kind of things that it was a little struggle to kind of get to know Justin Herbert as a person because we get him, you know, maybe you know, ten, fifteen minutes on Zoom, and it's kind of a lot of football questions. You can't really, you know, get to know a person. I feel like those get to know questions are, you know, mainly one on one in person. Uh, and it may, maybe that was kind of an excuse for myself, but I just started thinking, okay, I need to get to know this guy better. Uh, he's a star. He's going to be around for a while, and I, and I wrote a feature about. Uh, the label being an introvert. So I started talking to his dad, uh, some professors at Oregon, uh, teammates, coaches, and just asking questions like, who is who is Justin Herbert really? Because, you know, is he really the introvert, introvert that people were kind of saying, hey, we don't want that as a quarterback during the draft? Uh, and if so, if he was, you know, what's the big deal? If he's throwing touchdowns every week, it's okay to be an introvert. He's throwing, you know, all these touchdowns uh, on a weekly basis. But, you know, just talking to Herbert, it turns out that he didn't agree with that notion. He said, you know, once you get to know me, I'm not really as shy as people make it seem. I, it just, I think for anybody, if you go into a new setting, maybe you're a little quiet. And maybe that's a good thing for Herbert because you rather listen than talk when you first go into a new team. And I think for him, that's kind of been his approach. He just, he's more of a listener, and then eventually he breaks out of the show and pocketed. But I feel like every time I watch a, a Herbert game, and he's throwing a touchdown. He's celebrating with his teammates. He's very outgoing. I, I kind of got worried for him when he threw the touchdown to a fullback, Gabe Neighbors. Uh, they kind of jumped into each other's arms, and uh, Herbert landed kind of awkwardly. So, you know, you got to be careful with, with the celebrations. But he's breaking out of the show. I think after the first one against the Jaguars, he, he gave King Allen a kind of a, a very enthusiastic slap in the behind, uh, stuff like that. So I don't think he's, he's shy or reserved. It just kind of took him a while. And I know maybe press conferences are not his thing, or maybe – He's not saying flashy, outgoing quotes like a you know a Baker Mayfield or even a Drew Locke kind of guy. Maybe more like a Derek Carr. He's kind of who who keep it to the professionalism and, and respect everybody kind of thing. And maybe some people don't like that at all, and it's kind of boring. But when you're playing the way Herbert is playing, nothing's boring about it, and you kind of just brush aside the the, the, the boring quotes. Gilbert Manzano is our guest tonight on Just Pod Baby. Uh, Gilbert, since Austin Eckler went down with with an injury, uh, it's been more of a running back by committee for the Chargers. What can you tell us about the usage of both Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly in that Chargers backfield? Yeah, I actually just got done writing a Joshua Kelly story. Uh, Joshua Kelly is kind of uh, in the funk, even though Anthony Lynn, (laughs) he shot down that word funk. But he's been struggling. Uh, the past couple of weeks because he, he had a couple of fumbles between, I want to say, week three and week four, and the second one was a little costly because it kind of allowed the Buccaneers to come back and uh, retake that lead. They were up 17 points, and I think he had a fumble before the halftime. And ever since that fumble, he's kind of been a little skittish, and after the said he's been running timid, uh, you know, afraid to kind of cough at the ball again. So uh, Lynn said he's not going to shy away from Joshua Kelly. He said Joshua Kelly will be involved heavily 
against the Raiders that he's still in the mix. Uh, but it's kind of been more on Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson has been kind of the more the steady guy. Uh, I, I thought he's also kind of been maybe not as well because, you know, once you lose Austin Eckler, that, that's hard shoes to fill. But I thought Jackson was doing okay, but not that great until last week where uh, against the Denver Broncos, I think he had maybe about 89 rushing yards. And overall, the team had 210 rushing yards. So that rushing game kind of broke out. It's been one of their best performances in two years, which, again, makes you scratch your head. How did you blow a 21-point lead when you have that type of running game going for yourself? It's just kind of all these crazy questions when it comes to covering the Chargers. Uh, but Jackson has been very steady. Uh, but they're going to be thin this week because Tremaine Pope might not be there. And Tremaine Pope kind of provided a surprise spark a week ago. He's been on the practice squad, but he got concussed against the Broncos, and he hasn't been able to practice this week along with Joey Bosa. Uh, so it could be Jackson and Kelly, and that's about it. Uh, they have a guy in the practice squad who might be, get called up, called up in Kalen uh, 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 Balazs, a former uh, Dolphins running back. Uh, but you, you should expect a, a heavy dose of Jackson and, and Kelly. Uh, and hopefully for the Chargers, uh, Kelly could kind of break out of that, uh, that uh, you know, the struggles with the fumbles and all that this week. Keenan Allen, he's having himself another really good season, and I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in the game today. Uh, tell us about how he's looked this season and, and the chemistry that he's uh, been able to develop with, with Herbert. Yeah, it's been a typical Keenan Allen. He'll he'll get you first downs on, on, on with third down catches. Uh he's always moving the chains, he's always getting open. Uh but I am very impressed with Keenan Allen and how and Justin Herbert, how fast they got chemistry. Uh because keep in mind it was kind of a short off season because of the pandemic and then Herbert then was mainly with the second team and third team because in training camp it, it was Tyrod Taylor getting the first team reps. So it was Keenan Allen and Tyrod Taylor. And then out of nowhere, it was Keenan Allen and Herbert in week two. And from then on, they, they've been in sync uh, from, from from the first day. Uh, I think there was one game where Keenan Allen got a, a career-high 19 targets. Uh, and it feels like every week he's getting about you know 12 to 14 targets a game, which is kind of insane. Uh, but when, it, when Herbert needs a, a third-down conversion for a first down, he's always looking to Keenan Allen's direction and the uh, you know, you, you, that could be something we're going to see heavily against the Raiders, uh, who kind of struggled a little bit, you know, in the secondary. Uh, but the Broncos kind of, you know, figured something out. It seemed like last week in the second half, like Keenan Allen didn't have such a great dominant second half. I think uh, Herbert was kind of more on Mike Williams' side. Uh, but for the most part, whenever uh, Herbert calls Keenan Allen's number, they usually connect for for a good amount of yards. Yeah, you know, you were touching on that the shortened off season that w- w- NFL players had this year, and I think that is the most impressive thing about what Herbert has been able to do is the fact that not only was it a shortened off season, but he's a rookie quarterback coming into the NFL at the the most difficult position in the league, and he's he somehow has made it looked pretty seamless. So I, I do find that pretty pretty amazing by uh, by Herbert. I do want to talk a little bit about the defense uh, when you look up the. Look at the makeup of the defense. They they certainly have some talent along that that D line and uh, with Bosa and Ingram and and you know we know Bosa is, is still in the concussion protocol and so his status for the game is is kind of up in the air right now. But where have they been the most vulnerable on the defensive side of the ball this year? You know, I want to say the secondary. The secondary has kind of struggled, uh, especially in the past couple of weeks, and you you know. It, it seems like every time these Chargers get into these close games or they build these heavy leads and they kind of go down to the wire, 
they're still in the game. They just need one stop, one critical stop at the end of games and, you know, comes out to the final drive and Gus Bradley's defense can't get off the field. And it's usually, you know, maybe a penalty by the cornerback on pass interference or a a sloppy play from the safety. Uh, It just seems like the secondary hasn't came up. uh, And I know they could point to the excuse of Derwin James not being there. He wasn't there a year ago either, and the secondary wasn't this bad. And, you know, I think for for the Chargers trying to figure out what's going on, um, you know, Nazir Ali had had a pretty rough game a week ago. Their free safety, uh, you know, I know people were kind of pointing the finger at, at the strong safety Rayshon Jenkins for the game when you play, uh, but there was kind of blown assignments all over the field on that one. And then Casey Hayward, the number one cornerback, he hasn't played like a number one cornerback at all this year, and I think he will tell you that he's kind of missed some tackles here and there. Uh, and then you lose Chris Harris Jr., your slot cornerback that you signed in free agency, who hasn't been there the last maybe month or so. And you just traded your 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 one of your top players in Desmond King to Tennessee Titans. So I think for the Chargers, they're going to be very shorthanded. And, and in that slot position, I think with the Raiders, who, you, who I think uh, like to use Nelson Aguilar and, and Hunter Renfro, they could probably take advantage of that against the Chargers against a very inexperienced Jalen Campbell, who will get probably most of the, the snaps that slot cornerback uh, and nickel situation. So I think for Derek Carr, he's probably looking at that and might be calling uh, whoever's playing with slot receiver for the Raiders and going that way many times on Sunday. That's good information there. And and I think um, I kind of want to stay on that topic of, of matchups. Um, one of the matchups that I think could present some of the problems uh, for the, that Chargers defense is, is the Raiders tight end Darren Waller, uh, as well as the running backs and, and how they're used as receivers out of the backfield. I know that rookie Kenneth Murray, he's had some issues in coverage this season, but mm-hmm. what do you, what do you think about the matchup between uh, Raiders backs and tight ends versus the Chargers linebackers and safeties? Yeah, you know, I think for now it might point uh, in favor of the Raiders. Uh, they do that very well, especially with, with a tight end there on Waller. Uh, usually the Chargers have been okay when it comes to defending the tight end. You know, maybe not so much this year, uh, especially because so many moving parts. Uh, their best cover uh, linebacker, Drew Tranquil, got hurt in week one. And now they're asking Kenneth Murray to do that as a rookie, which is not really his strong suit, uh, which we keep asking Gus Bradley every week. Why, you know, why is he kind of playing the middle of the middle of the field? He's more of an aggressive, you know, downhill linebacker. Why not put him on the edge or, you know, just kind of unleash him a little more. Uh, but they keep keeping him at, at Mike linebacker. So you might see a good amount uh, of him matching up on Darren Waller. Uh, and even, even the running backs, like, like you mentioned, uh, Jalen Richard and, and Josh Jacob, they're, they're going to have, cause a lot of problems for those guys, especially with Joey Bosa's not there. Joey Bosa gets a lot of credit for being a great pass rusher, but he also very, he's very good at stopping the run as well. Uh, you know, they still got Limbaugh Joseph there and, and the other D-tackle, Justin Jones, to kind of help out. Uh, but it just seems like the Raiders could, and John Gruden could create so many mismatches with those uh, two elements with the tight end and the running back. So it's going to be a problem for Gus Bradley. And, and, and Gus Bradley, he, he desperately needs this, this team to kind of perform well. The defense, they've, they've allowed you know, about 29 points at least the last four weeks. And, and it might be the worst search of football for uh, the Chargers and Gus Bradley since 2017. So, you know, he's got to figure something out with the guys he has. Uh, like I mentioned, no Desmond King there. Uh, there's a bunch of guys, especially no Joey Bosa. I could keep going on and on. Uh, but at some point, you got to make it work with what you have. And uh, hopefully for the Chargers and Gus Bradley, they can figure it out. Once again, that's Gilbert Manzano, everyone. I appreciate you, uh, Gilbert, giving us so much of your time tonight. Keep up all of your great work over at the OC Register, and, and I hope you enjoy the game on Sunday.
Will do. Thank you for the time, Evan. I appreciate you. All right, we're back just for some final thoughts here to wrap up this week's uh, preview episode, Raiders versus Chargers, the first of three uh, consecutive division game for the Raiders. Uh, Another great spot there by Gilbert Manzano. I thought he gave us some good information, some real in-depth information about Justin Herbert and some of the research that he did for some of the work that he did covering Herbert. Uh, Also, I thought he made a great um, point there. He gave us some good information on uh, one of the weaknesses that he sees in that defense at, at slot corner. And that was something that I wasn't aware of. So uh, although I still think it's a, it's a Darren Waller game, also look for Hunter Renfro to get involved in the slot and and maybe they, they, the Raiders try to take advantage of, of um, a weakness there in that Chargers defense. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I appreciate everyone tuning in, and I appreciate you all for your support on the show. Uh, We'll talk to you guys next week on uh, Tuesday morning with the recap of the game. Uh, Until then, I'm your host, Evan Grote. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Uh, And as always, just win, baby.